Well, good morning, Covenant Hope. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, grab it and turn to Psalm 67. Guests, my name is Cody. I'm one of the pastors here and have the opportunity to open up the scriptures for us regularly and love to do so. And very excited to open up the scriptures for you this morning to celebrate five years as Covenant Hope Church. If you are a guest today, uh, there is a black hardcover Bible in the pew in front of you. You can grab it and you can find Psalm 67 there with us. Uh, We normally walk through books of the Bible together, but we are going to look here at Psalm 67 to celebrate all that God has done in the life of our church. There's so many people, friends, partners who are here with us today. I just want to say thank you for being here. We are so glad that you are here with us to celebrate all that God is doing and he will do. Now, I know that some of you may not be Christians today. Some of you may not be believers. You may not walk with the Lord. And it's my hope that through our singing, through our prayer, and especially now through God's word, that you would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to call you to respond to that. It's my prayer that you will know Jesus, that you will see the people here that we make much of Jesus because he is the only reason that we can gather in the first place. So as we start this morning, I want to think of a quote by H.B. Charles. He said, Satan does not fear a big church. He fears a united church. Five and a half years ago, the people of Good Hope Baptist Church voted yes to something unknown. Some were for it. Some were against it. To partner with a church planting network that really hadn't done much in this area, had really not, had only done a few revitalization replants, to to trust another church when they say, here are people that we know will love you and love the community. And after that, for six months, the church prayed and sought the Lord on the next steps of ministry. And ultimately, a relatively unknown became a reality when almost, with an almost unanimous vote in July of 2018, Good Hope Baptist Church voted to become Covenant Hope Church, to take 208 years of ministry here on this campus and to say, we're not dying, we're birthing a new church. And we're we're here for the long haul to see the gospel impact all across Wake Forest, Youngsville, North Carolina, and into the world. That's what happened five years ago. You see, in 2019, it's the latest data that we have, 4,500 Protestant churches closed their doors. 4,500. That's before COVID. That could have been good hope. But in God's kindness, in his mercy, here we stand today as a church family united around the gospel of Jesus Christ. For for not our own selves, but for the sake of the nations. So that whoever moves into these neighborhoods, whoever moves into North Carolina, whoever moves in the United States of America, all around the world. It's about the gospel of Jesus and making his name known around the world. Satan does not fear a big church. He fears a united church. That we are united around the gospel. You see church plants One-third of them don't make it to year four. We've made it to year five. All in God's grace and kindness. Why? Because we are united around the gospel. It is is the filter by which we do everything here. 
And if we ever forget it, may you remove me and put the gospel back in place for the next 100, 200, however many years until the Lord Jesus returns. May this place be a place where people champion the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this morning as we walk through Psalm 67, we're going to look at all seven verses. Here's what we're going to see. The psalmist confidently asked for God's blessing so that the world may know his way and praise him joyfully. Now, we talk about our mission is to make mature disciples. Mature disciples who will impact the world for Christ. So if that's you today, whether you're a partner or a guest coming from out of town or from open door of faith, here's what we should do today. The blessing of God should motivate us to continue the work of God's mission. We should be motivated out of God's blessing to continue the work, no matter how hard it gets, no matter the changes, that we labor faithfully in the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I told you, one-third of church plans don't make it to year four. This is, five years, is, is the short part of a long journey, a long journey, one that I hope will outlive me and will outlive you as long as we cherish the gospel. We will pray today and continually that God will bless Covenant Hope Church, not for our sake, but for the sake of the nations, that we will raise up people who will give their lives over to Jesus and for the sake of his kingdom. As we celebrate five years together today, Psalm 67 emphasizes three components for mission. Three components for mission that will remind us why we exist. N.T. Wright summed it up. The church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. And that's who we are. I want to show you what these components mean for you as an individual. What they mean for our church family. And what they mean for the world. So the first component for mission that we see here is a contagious blessing. A contagious blessing. Look back there at verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us. The psalmist begins with a request. Would God be gracious to us and bless us? The psalmist understands that his God is the one who sustains his people. Nothing else. The church can be sure. We can be sure to celebrate what has happened these last five years because we know it's God and only God who has done this. Now the psalmist, he combines the ironic prayer of Numbers 24 and the blessing of Abraham from Genesis chapter 12. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face to shine upon us. So we see here the request for blessing. We see the request for blessing. Our God is a gracious God, one who we can go to and even ask to be blessed. Think about people who have sinned against him. He is gracious enough in Christ to receive our request and then to grant them. Only based in his kindness. God has blessed Covenant Hope Church over the last five years, hasn't he? Just thinking about our members, let me just tell you, if it wasn't for Miss Deborah, those first six months, we probably wouldn't have lights right now because I probably wouldn't know how to pay the bills. Okay, so because of people like Miss Deborah who kept things running for the first six months, and even Miss Mildred, who has gone to be with the Lord, who supported me in the midst of unknowns, 
things that she said, you know, I don't like that. But I'm going to support you. I think about Paul and Ashton, who will share in a few minutes, to serve in multiple ways. I tell our church all the time, we're like a 1A football team. We, we play offense, defense, and special teams. And uh, we're going to have to do that for a little while, and that's okay. We're going to play every position that we can for the glory of God. I think back to Jackson when I called him and said, Jackson, buddy, I, I don't know what we're going to do, but I need you to lead music. And we're going to have a transition. The Lord's doing some things, and you got three weeks. I need you, I need you to be ready. And Jackson said, let me pray about it. Okay, we're good to go. And uh, we, we were so blessed for three years for Jackson to volunteer his time to lead us in music. And let me just tell you, you're way blessed for that than it would be for me to do that. That, that would be terrible. I think about Nate, who came on even after that, who has taken on the foundation that Jackson laid and now has, has pushed us forward to the, to the music team that you get to worship with every Sunday. I think of Miss Frances. Every Sunday, she comes to me and she says, you're getting a little better. That sermon was great. <laughs> she encourages me every week. That was a good sermon. And I just, I can't tell you how much that encouragement means. She looks me in my eyes and she says, that was a beautiful sermon. All these people. I think of David Moss. They're, they're not able to be here today. They're in Florida. David taught faithfully in our equipped classes for, for years. People have, and I can't name everybody, and I'm sorry about that, but everybody has given so much time. Has God not blessed us? Think about our partners. Right now, Faith Baptist Church is doing childcare so that every one of our members can be in here right now. Yesterday, they sent 15 plus volunteers to love on us and to, to give their time to run bounce houses and all kinds of things so that we could enjoy and engage people who walked on our campus. I'm thankful for Stephen Wade, Pastor Stephen at Faith, who has poured into me. I keep, I keep going to his assistant, hey, I need, another, I need another meeting. Can we schedule those so I can come and receive counsel and advice and care? Think of Pastor Ben who calls and checks in, hey, how are things going? We get to partner in downtown Youngsville with them. Has God not blessed us? I think of Open Door. The years of training, an internship. Pastor Seth, who prayed this morning, was my mentor through the internship at Open Door. I think of Pastor Dwayne when I call him. We were on vacation, Ashley and I were. I don't remember where we were now that I say this out loud, but, but Dwayne was in Europe somewhere, and he calls me. I called him, left him a message, and he calls me on the train somewhere wherever he was going. That's the kind of partnership that we have. People will call us even in the middle of the night from Europe. God has so blessed us. But let me ask you a simple question. Are you willing to ask the Lord to bless you? Are you willing to ask the Lord to bless us as a church? The psalmist knows our God is so gracious that if I come to him, he will bless us. It's not wrong. It's not selfish. To ask God, would you bless us? We're gonna pray that God would bless us. But why? When people ask for God, that is to show his face, his light, his glory to shine on them. They're asking for something, anticipating a deliverance, a redemption, a salvation. Blessing leads to salvation. We see the request for blessing, but we also see the reason 
for blessing. Look there at verse 2. So that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Look down at that, so that. Remember what God promised Abraham. We've been preaching through the book of Genesis. It's a wonderful time to come to this psalm. We see over and over and over again, God's promise to Abraham is to bless him. Why? So that the nations would be blessed. So that the world would know who God is. The psalmist knows that blessing leads to salvation. Blessing is contagious. But let me be very clear here. The psalmist is not just praying for Israel's salvation. It's not just for our salvation in the room. It's for the salvation of anyone who will hear. Whether they look like us, talk like us, are different than us, or it doesn't matter. Everyone who will hear and respond in the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation is extended to anyone. God's way, we see here, is life-giving knowledge. It's through the scriptures. I tell you, every week we come to preach God's word Because we believe this Bible is God's word holy for us. And that scripture tells us about the gospel of Jesus Christ who came in the form of a man who lived a perfect life and gave his life on the cross, was killed, was buried, and was raised three days later. That's why we're here. And praise God that God sent his own son to die for you and me. When we think about that way, your way, we're reminded of Jesus in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is the way. Jesus is the way. Church, we've been doing this for five years, and we're going to keep encouraging us to do this. I want the way of Jesus to be seen in Wake Forest and Youngsville, in North Carolina and the world. Whatever you're doing, the way of Jesus is seen Now you love how you share the gospel, and how you engage in kindness. May the way of Jesus be what people see in us. But you see, church, God never blesses you without intending you to be a blessing to others. Right? The request for blessing must never forget the reason for blessing, to display the saving power of God all across the world. The thing is, when we don't steward God's blessing in the ways God intends, it rots. It rots. Think about Israel when they were in the desert on the way to the promised land. There was no food. They complained. So God supernaturally provided manna for them. Like dew on the ground, it just appeared. And they would make something like rice and cakes out of it. But God gave them one instruction. Only gather what you need for that day. Do not gather more than you need. And what would happen if they did that? It would rot. Stink and worms all in it. Blessing must fuel you to sacrificial gospel living. Blessing must be used in the way that God intended for others. Oftentimes when churches, when things happen and hardship happens, when people are hurt, we begin to just close everything up and we begin to try to protect everything we have. And we forget that blessing is not for us, it's for the nations. And so five years ago, we came to a place that actually the people were hurting and the campus was rotting because we had forgotten that blessing is for the nations. It's not for us. This is why we're committed to multiplying disciples and churches with the gospel. The people who come to CAC get plugged in. They're not ours. You're not ours. You're God's. That means every Sunday, you hear it every Sunday, we end our worship gathering with saying, go with the hope 
of the gospel so that you are now sent into our communities, schools, neighborhoods, and jobs to demonstrate the way of Christ. We want you to reflect that in all that you do. Churches often forget that God's blessing is not for themselves. May we never forget it. May we continually remind ourselves that God has blessed us, but it's not for us. This is why we're, we're committed to raising up future leaders. We're, we're committed to raising up people who will give their lives, whether they're missionaries or pastors. We raise up church plans. We, we pray that at some point we're going to send a group of people from Covenant Hope to somewhere else, whether it's 30 minutes away or 14 hours away, to plant a church so that those people can hear the gospel faithfully preached every week. That's what we're committed to because blessing's not for us. We know blessing's contagious. We see the first component of mission, contagious blessing. May the blessing of God motivate us to continue the work for God's mission. But it brings us to our second component for mission, a call for praise. Look there at uh, verse 3 in just a second. When God's salvation, we see the way of Christ is experienced. The only response is praise. I mean, think about it. When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, what was your response? Most likely, it was to praise him for all that he had done. To give shouts of praise and song and glory to God. Verse 3, let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. In a call for worship, we see the refrain of praise. This praise is both a call and invitation to praise God, but who is being invited? It's the nations. The nations are invited to join in the refrain, in the chorus of praise for salvation. The main thrust of verses 3 and 5 are, they, are the hope and expectation of all the peoples of the earth. Well, join in the praise of Yahweh. Join in the praise of the Lord in Jesus Christ. Verse 5, let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Do you desire Wake Forest, Youngsville, North Carolina, and the world to know Jesus? Do you desire for people to know Jesus more than anything else? It's been the most piercing question in my heart this week. Not to build up our name, not even to fill this room, but that the nations may, may know Jesus Christ. May we never forget that. Do you desire it? So I want to continually develop a love for people. If we lose our love for people, we'll lose the blessing. But look at verse 4. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy, for you judge the peoples with fairness and lead the nations on earth. There's a refrain of praise and there's a reason for praise. The reason is that the nations can respond in joy solely based on God's character. The psalmist calls for the nations to rejoice, be glad, shout for joy. Why? Because God judges the people with fairness. That's equity. With no impartiality. God rules justly. But notice there in verse 4, he leads the nations. Think about it this way. He guides. He shepherds the nations. God's reign is joyful. He is not like a tyrant. He invites us into abundance and grace and kindness and invites people to know that. He rules with love and justice. 
Church family, notice here the need for God's guidance. The way of God or of Christ requires God's leading. We need God to lead us through his word, through his church, and through his spirit. We need each other. You cannot live this life alone. You cannot live this life without reading the Bible to know God. You cannot live this life without trusting the spirit of God inside of you. We have to do this together. When I think about back on the story of Covenant Hope, I ask myself the question, has God not guided us with grace and kindness and fairness? I'm constantly reflecting on, man, you know what? I would have done that differently, if I'm honest with you. But if we had, we wouldn't be where we are today. You see, two weeks before that vote in July, Miss Mildred broke her hip. And uh, it was through the night, and I got a phone call early that morning. Uh, Wayne, Sharon, who's a member here, he called me and said, hey, Mildred's in the hospital. She broke her hip. Uh, we were living in Franklinton at the time, and I told Ashley, and I got in the car and, and went on to the hospital. Uh, bust open the door. Miss Mildred, are you okay? Cody, now I'm worried about that vote in two weeks. I mean, she's like, her hip's not, not fixed, and she's like, I'm worried about that vote. And I said, Mildred, I'm not worried about a vote. I'm, I'm worried about you. And to be honest with you, we needed her vote. We, 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 we needed, we needed, I needed to know. Like, like I was like, Lord, what are you doing? I would have done that differently. But in, her, in his kindness, she was able to heal and to continue to support what is going on here. She was a tangible expression of God's kindness to me personally. And I know to many of you. So many of you. She wanted this church to reach people again for the gospel, to not forget the blessing. When we take verses three and five together, we repeat this refrain of praise. It emphasizes those who read it, those who pray it, those who sing this psalm, align themselves with a future in which the whole world praises God. This is why we pray for the nations. This is why we do all that we do. We want them to hear the gospel. We want to partner with churches that help us further the gospel. We're committed to the nations hearing the gospel. This is why we pray for our church to reach its community as well. All the neighborhoods. Think about all the neighborhoods. Five years ago, there are, there are five, six, seven new neighborhoods just around this uh, facility in the last five years. The nations are moving here around us. Ash and I counted, and we've lost count. There's seven or eight Countries that live in our neighborhood, just six minutes away. The nations are moving here. We will do everything to proclaim the gospel to them and to proclaim the gospel to everywhere around the world because we have been called to call other people to praise God. We see the first and second components of mission, a contagious blessing and a call for praise. May we continue the work of calling people to praise God from around the world. Which leads us to our third component for mission. A confident expectation. Verse 6 is the only time the psalmist speaks in the past tense. Something's happened. But it's happened in the future. Look there at verse 6b, the second half of verse 6. God, our God, blesses us. Continue in verse 7. God will bless us. We have a confident expectation, but why? It's our relationship with God. 
We can celebrate a day like today for one reason. God is on our side. He is our God. We can pray for his blessing because he's committed himself to us. He guides and shepherds us righteously. Our confidence is not in ourselves, but in the God of the universe who is for us. But don't miss this. This relationship is plural. It's plural. God has purchased a people. He's made a church through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we, as a church, have the responsibility to share that gospel. If the church, a group of committed believers, is God's plan for declaring the gospel, then we must work diligently on building the community here based on the gospel, based on those who have experienced the joy of salvation, cultivating a family who know each other deeply, who are real, confess sin, do not walk through that door and hold a mask over our faces and over what's happened over the the week or the last few weeks. We're real and we confess sin and we're open about that. That we struggle. And it's that kind of community that when people see that real authenticity, they they see that, that's a breath of fresh air in our day today, especially here in our context. It is that kind of community that can engage the world for Christ and truly impact it for him. This is why I'm so thankful that Cup and Hope has become like a family. We are the extended family, right? We take meals to one another. We babysit one another's kids. We share deep struggles and and deep joys. But I also desire for CAC to be a place where your family can thrive. This is a place where your family, your marriage will be strengthened. Your children will hear the gospel. Be discipled regularly for your family to form deep friendships. It's hard to leave when God calls because this is a family. And I am so glad that he has made this a family. This is why we do things from a multi-generational perspective. Right, our kids are in here today. Kids, you matter. You're part of the family. It's why we have missional communities that have all kinds of ages and all kinds of things. That our missional communities see it We see life from multiple perspectives. We get to pour into one another. I love that in my home on Wednesday nights, there's a group of people that range from toddlers to seniors. That we get to pour in, ask questions, dive in. We get to serve together. We get to pack bags for for the trick-or-treat, the trails, or go to the parade and, and, and help them organize. Whatever it may be, we get to do that together. Or think about D groups where we get to be deep and real with people who maybe have 20 years on us, one way or the other. We're committed to building up a family by connecting each other to God's family. And let me just say, this is the only way to actually experience true family, that we experience it together. Now look back up at, at the top of verse 6. And then I'm going to skip down to the two outside lines at the end of verse 7. The earth has produced its harvest, and all of the ends of the earth will fear him. All right, we see the, the relationship, but we also see the result of blessing. All right, when I was growing up, my dad would plant a garden every year. And uh, we, I, I like potatoes, really anyway. Mashed potatoes, fries, fried potatoes, any kind of potatoes, I like those. But see, the thing was, we planted those, 
And we would plant them, and it would take time. So you got to put it in, got to put the dirt back over top of it, got to shovel it out, put the dirt back over top of it. And so we'd do that. It would take time. Then we'd have to water it. And I'd watch my dad go out and water over and over and over again. And then he would say, boys, it's time to go get some potatoes. So what we do, we grabbed our shovels, and we dug potatoes. We dug about 15 feet. We had enough potatoes for the next couple weeks, and then we went inside. Well, you know, I was about 15 or 16. I can't remember. All those years that I dug those potatoes, one day my dad was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to go get an attachment to the tractor. We're just going to dig them up all at one time. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. We did all this work for years. Why couldn't you have done that 15 years ago? But here's the thing. Planting, sowing, and reaping takes time and effort. It takes a lot of time and effort. When we think about building a deep and true and lasting community, it takes time and effort. Is it even worth it? Absolutely is it worth it. Look here at these verses. Look at the benefits of the work. Those outside lines of verses 6 and 7 communicate a certainty about the future. This is an eschatological hope. It's a hope when Jesus comes back that the earth will produce its harvest. There will be a harvest of all of our works when we share the gospel, when we engage in deeds of kindness, that we may never see those because it takes lots of time. But we may see people in eternity that we're like, wow, we shared the gospel and you rejected me. Wow, I know who that is and I don't know who that is. because Look at the time in which God worked. Building a community, a family takes time. But it's worth it because we know in the end our God wins. He wins and all the people that love him will win with him. That is our confidence. That is our hope. It's worth it. There will be a day when many people, when Jesus comes back, they will bow their knee voluntarily. And they will honor him with all, we will honor him with all that we have. Jesus is going to come back. But see, he comes back into a broken, fractured world that the first time he came into, the sin had, had destroyed it. And I, I want you to listen. He came into a broken world, all the sin, all the mess, all the muck, took on our flesh and dwelt among us and lived a perfect life. And was handed over wrongfully by the Jews to the Romans to be crucified. And he hung on a cross. And even as he hung on a cross, he, he invited one of the most wretched people that we may know, worse than any of you, a criminal on the cross. As that man got to hang with Jesus, he saw who he was. Even in the last parts of his life, our Lord was bringing people from death to life. And that's what we do. That's what's happened to us. That if you have called the name of Jesus, if you follow him, then you've been invited into new life with him. And here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus today, I don't want you to hear anything else other than I want you to know Jesus. Because he's the only reason that we're here today. We could go do lots of other things with our time. But because of Jesus, we will give every ounce of sweat, every piece of time to his glory and to his fame all across the world. We know the end of the story. That one day, 
Whatever happens to our country, whatever happens to us, Jesus wins and we will celebrate. We will be with him. We will praise him. I am so thankful for that story. So thankful that you're a part of it. Let's, let's pray to the Lord now. Let's thank him for all that he's done. God in heaven, we magnify your name. We ask you to bless us, to bless this place and these people and these children, our families. Would you bless us, not for our own sake, but for the sake of the nations, for the sake of our neighbors? Would we never forget the gospel? Would we, would we never forget the reason for blessing? God, we need you to remind us. May this church never be focused on itself, but always focused on others because of the good news of Jesus Christ. God, we love you. I'm so thankful for all that you've done. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. Amen.